Good morning. Welcome to the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I am associate publisher Bethany Rue. Editor and publisher Charlie Deach has rudely gone to Florida, so you get me today. Uh, A couple announcements at the top of the cast. Um, Our new issue hit the streets this Tuesday. Um, We have a um, portion of it dedicated to the late, great friend of the paper, Jimmy Svetik. Charlie wrote a wonderful, fantastic piece about him. If you knew the man, you know how amazing he was. Um, And on top of that, there's other really great content, as always. Um, Our music coverage is particularly on fire, this issue. Uh, And our neighborhood is Mount Washington Station Square. So make sure you pick this up and give it a read. A couple general announcements. This is our last day for the, uh, we're giving away two tickets to food, uh, food truck of Palooza. So if you find that post on our Facebook page, comment your favorite food truck. We're going to draw winners today. And later today, I'll also be giving away a pair of Aziz and Sorry tickets on our Instagram. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, there, uh, Raise a Glass Bar Crawl, our drinks issue bar crawl is coming up March 23rd. Uh, we're going to be announcing bars starting tomorrow. Uh, make sure you get on the email list. Go sign up for it to stay in the loop for bars and prizes. We also have two, not one, but two local uh, festivals up for USA Today's 10 Best. Picklesburg is up for uh, Best Food Festival, Best Specialty Food Festival. You have five days left to vote on that. They've closed the leaderboard, so the winner's a surprise, but you can still vote. And then also our own Day Bracey's Fresh Fest that he um, does with Mike Potter of Black Brew Culture is up for Best Beer Festival. Their leaderboard is still open. You have 18 days to vote, and they were number one. Let's keep them number one. Go vote for Pick- Go vote for Picklesburg. Go vote for Fresh Fest. Let's get Pittsburgh all up in that place. Um, upcoming podcast guest next week, we have John Dick Winters from Burning Bridges Comedy Festival. The week after that, we have Dave Bracey and Mike Potter from Fresh Fest here to talk all about Fresh Fest. And the week after that, we have Olivia Benson, who is running for Auditor General of Pennsylvania. So we kind of like to mix it up a little bit. That's a very, very broad, uh, broad guest list. Um, but today, today I am here with Mark Masterson, Artistic Director of City Theater. Hello. Hello, Bethany. It's great to see you. <laughs> it's great to see you, too. Thank you for coming to Beachview to visit with us today, although you guys are down on the south side, so not not... All on the same side of the river. Yes, yes, we are. You didn't. You did have to go through a tunnel, but not cross a bridge. That <laughs> matters. Um, so you have recently returned, right? For after after being away for a while. That's right. I had my wandering period, and now I'm back. Okay. And what was it like to come back? Was it everything you dreamt, or was, did anything shock you? It's been better than I dreamt. It's, yeah. Uh, I I missed Pittsburgh, and you know I drove around, uh, you know. California with Steelers license plates and Pirates things hanging in my vehicle. And so finally, it feels like I'm home. Yeah. And uh, I I did. I was gone for 18 years. I'm probably the world's oldest boomerang kid, you know, from (laughs) Pittsburgh. Uh, But it feels great to be back. I have a lot of friends here. I love this city. I love the community for city theater. I love the audiences that we have and the the capabilities that we're developing at city theater to do some really exciting work. So, and maybe if we could just take a step back, if you could maybe just explain broadly, what, you know, does an artistic director, what what does that function do for the theater? Maybe sort of what is your role in building all that out? Well, Bethany, I've been trying to explain this to my mother uh, (laughs) my entire life. So I'll give it a shot. (laughs) Um, Your artistic director, you know, I guess probably the simplest way to, to explain it is that it's a, I'm a producer. I'm a theatrical producer. Uh, We do at city theater, we specialize in new plays. So 
my job is to choose the season, hire the artists, uh, be the spokesperson for the organization, work on the administration, the work with the board of directors. I have a, a co-equal partner in James McNeil, who is the managing director. So the artistic director and the managing director run the organization together in a partnership. Okay. That, I thought you did a really good job. So hopefully your mom thought so too. Uh, so right now, the room, the roommate is running. Yeah. And how has that been going? I mean, have you been able? How, how many times do you see a play in its rotation when it's playing at the theater? I usually see it, uh, you know, maybe half a dozen times, uh, and also in rehearsals. So I'm, I try to, you know, stay current with what's happening. Uh, in this case, the show is directed by Reginald L. Douglas. And yep, he's been on Reg, the podcast. Regis certainly knows what he's doing. He doesn't need, you know, a lot from me, but I'm there to support him and make sure things are going well and, and work with the whole staff and realizing the full potential of the play. So now, what? how, how do you go about choosing? Because you do, I mean, you do all new plays, right? So how... Um, I'm going to say pipeline, which is funny because that was a previous play that you guys had. But what is the pipeline? What is the process for discovering these plays, these playwrights? Do you find them? Do they come to you? Is it a, a blend? Well, you know, this season, the current season that we're in, um, was curated by Reg and mm -hmm. by Claire and by the artistic staff at City Theater. Um, and so it's usually built out from a core of one or two things that become clear and obvious that you want to do. And then you try to create balance beyond that. So you want to have different kinds of voices and different kinds of talent. And sometimes you choose a play because of the script and the merit of the text. And sometimes you choose something because you have an idea of who is going to be in it and you want to do something for them, with them. Um, there's, there are different reasons for, for making certain selections, but Usually it comes together gradually. And then there's also the sort of reality factor, like how much does it cost to do a particular play and how many expensive things can we afford to do versus less expensive things okay. and what's going to be compelling for our audience? How can yeah. we keep people engaged and maybe keep them guessing a little bit so they're not just, you know, there's something different every time they come. Uh -huh. um, that's part of our goal as well. So... Um, you had worked at the city theater before for some time, and then you left and you went on to um, Louisville, the Actors Theater of Louisville. Right. And then from there, you went to the South Coast Repertory Theater in Costa Mesa, California. So I feel like you kind of had sort of East Coast, Midwest, West Coast theaters under under your direction that's true i'm the yeah. westward migration story of the american theater and now i've come back east yes which obviously because we're the best so that's clearly <laughs> clearly the case and uh by the way people don't forget you can also ask your questions on twitter or facebook if you have anything for me or for mark so that's always an option for you um tell me a little bit about the different audiences that you discovered in your journey westward and then maybe any differences you've noticed after you boomeranged back to pittsburgh well, I, you know, it's that's an interesting question. I don't know that there are huge regional differences. There are some. Um, you know, obviously California is really different than mm -hmm. Kentucky. Um, although I was living in Orange County, which, you know, is um, – not so different from Kentucky in <laughs> some ways. It's it's it did go blue in the last election, which was the first time in history, I believe, that that Orange County um, 
voted Democratic. Maybe but, you had something to do with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like my work was done and it was time for me to leave. It was time to go. <laughs> um, but more, more than the communities themselves, uh, I think it had to do with the size of the organizations that I was running. So, you know, Pittsburgh City Theater is a mid-sized arts organization. And, um, you know, frankly, I, I was here for almost 20 years and I kind of had a midlife crisis. And, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to die here, <laughs> you know, which is what you think when you're in your 40s. And, and so I decided to go off and, and try some other things and do some other things. And what that was was working for much larger organizations. Uh-huh. So Actors Theater of Louisville was probably four or five times the size of City Theater and did one of the, or still does, one of the, the sort of most important new play festivals in the country. Uh, it was reviewed by the New York Times, the mm-hmm. international press, and you know has very kind of high-profile, high-pressure job. And I had a great experience doing that. It, it was a burnout job in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, but, you know, we were playing to a couple hundred thousand people a year, and people from all over the world would come to see the work there. And... And so it was different programming plays for an audience of that size than it was with City Theater, where it's much more contained, probably 35,000 people mm. a year buy tickets to see City Theater shows. And I've, I, I found that, that with a larger organization, people come for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people just want to be entertained, and some people want substance, and some people want to go someplace with their neighbors. And, you know, there are different reasons why people go. Whereas at City Theater, people are there because they want to see interesting, compelling theater, contemporary American theater. And and so I had to broaden my taste and broaden the range of things that, that we were doing. And um, and that was a good lesson for me. And I, I was energized by that opportunity and by that challenge. Um, after 11 years, I went to South Coast Rep and I was you know, in a very conservative community and um, running an organization that was a legacy organization that also was about the same size of Actors Theatre of Louisville. We did a lot of new work. Um, I had the experience of sending several shows that we premiered to Broadway and to other theaters in the country. The The things that we were able to do with our, with our resources at that theater company were were really substantial and and interesting and challenging, but after seven years, it sort of I had run its course. It, were, it had run its course with me, and it was time to go. So I uh, I decided to take a little break and do do a transition, which uh, was was fun and rewarding. And while I was in that transition, this opportunity came up at City Theater, and I find myself back in my old office at my old desk. Uh, with my old colleagues, uh, trying to remake and re-energize the company. So did you feel like you had to, you you mentioned that you were in a more conservative atmosphere when you were in Costa Mesa. Did you find that that um, influenced whether you liked it or not, some of your choices for some of the shows that you brought to the theater? Or did you feel like you free reign? It really wasn't about uh, hedging my bets. Um, you know, it's, it's a balancing act because you, you want to do things that will have broader appeal. For example, we had a a 550 seat theater, um, in Louisville, we had a 700 seat theater, but we also had a 350 seat theater and a hundred seat theater. Mm -hmm. And so we had three spaces and, 
Um, to the, the most challenging thing is to fill the larger spaces in those environments. Um, and, and you have to choose things that have a chance at least of resonating with a large enough audience that it will fill those spaces. But it's very important for an artistic director to do things that are interesting to the artistic director. In other words, it is a matter of personal taste. So I never really felt that I had to compromise my, my standards or my taste. I was able to find things that were interesting. And for example, if I do a a classic play, a Shakespeare or, you know, Moliere or something like that, I would work with really interesting directors and Bogart or, um, uh, you know, a number of other people who would kind of do these innovative takes on the classics. And that was compelling enough to fill those theaters. So it, it was a different kind of challenge. I'm glad that I did it, but I couldn't be happier to be back in Pittsburgh. Well, before you got back to Pittsburgh, though, you did a very interesting transition. <laughs> you bought a vintage Airstream trailer and you traveled all over. So what what sort of was the thought process of getting into that? And what are, what are, where did you go? What did you do? Uh, you know, I, I had some time and I had a little bit of money saved up and I decided I didn't know what I was going to do next. And my range of possibilities was was wide open. I, you know, I, I'm, I wanted to do something, but I didn't know exactly what. And so I decided I needed to take some time and travel. Mm-hmm. So before I bought the Airstream, I, um, I went to South America for a month and traveled around Patagonia. In fact, there's a great article in the New York Times out right now about uh, fly fishing in Patagonia. Okay. I went to that place. I know where that is. That's what I did for a month. And you did just straight up fly fishing or just traveled all over the place? I did both. I, I did a lot of fly fishing. I climbed glaciers. I went on hikes. I met travelers from all over the world. I stayed in yurts. I was, <laughs> you know, it was a really great experience. And I was by myself. I was traveling by myself, okay. although I met friends and made, you know, made friends along the way. Um, and so, so I did that. In fact, I interviewed for the job at City Theater from the only internet cafe in Patagonia, <laughs> <laughs> which was interesting, a, a video interview from the middle of nowhere. That was the connection. Um, and, then, uh, and then I came back to California. I bought a pickup truck and a vintage Airstream trailer, and I logged about 6,500 miles traveling all over the West, going to places I'd never seen before. I had friends who came and traveled with me for a week or 10 days each, and um, and I just had an adventure. And, and uh, while I was on that trip, I did my second interview at City Theater and uh, found out that I was going to end my journey in Pittsburgh. So, so you, brought, you just straight up just drove the trailer right into I Pittsburgh. Pretty much, that's exactly what I did. And, <laughs> awesome. and then I, uh, I pulled up, and here I am. Um, and I also, we, we were chatting before, uh, before we went on air. He's actually, the Airstream trailer is up for sale. So <laughs> we will put a link in the description box. And if you would like to buy Mark's Airstream trailer, <laughs> it seemed to be lucky for him. So maybe if you uh, yeah, need some right. luck rubbed off on you, you can buy him in a Airstream trailer and travel all over as well. Um, what were some of the more interesting spots or are there any stories that stood out on the journey? Well, aside from the, the interview and the only inter- internet cafe in <laughs> Patagonia, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I don't, 
You know, I, I'm a native Texan. I grew up in Houston and I had never been really in West Texas in a substantial way. So I went to Marfa, Texas. Do you know about Marfa? That's where the fake Prada store is. Of course I know about Marfa. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, it's, it's, it is a fake Prada store. It's, it's kind of an amazing uh, thing, just on their side of the road, uh -huh. outside of Marfa, in the greater Marfa metropolitan area. But Marfa is a center for creative and, and uh, innovative contemporary art in the middle of nowhere, very close to Big Bend National Park. And... Uh, I stayed there for about a week with a buddy of mine, and uh, I just had the greatest time. And it was, it was this combination of of um, bonding with my roots, but also discovering something totally different and very new to me. And uh, I really enjoyed that. No, because as somebody that used to live in Houston as well, I have to ask: Were you inside the loop or outside the loop? I was outside the loop. Okay, but not too far. Okay, we we lived in like the Montrose area when we were uh -huh. there. Oh so, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So we both love Aero Streams and we both used to live in Houston. Yep. I feel and like we're going to be. I'm a recovering friend. Texan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I will always be a recovering Texan. Uh, Make a great margarita, really good Mexican food and barbecue. That's, that's the extent of Those are the of things my, you want to hold on to. My though. legacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you come back here and you got back last summer, right? Yeah. So like you said, the, the, Season was already done. Reg and I'm sorry, Claire, right? Claire did a great job. I'm, I've seen quite a few of the plays, so they, they're they're killing it. So, how do you kind of step in? Do you, do you try to do anything to impact the season that's going on now, or do you really just work with them and start focusing on the 45th? You know, it's. I mean, the thing is that that producing theater is a collaborative process, mm -hmm. and just by its nature. It, you know, so theater people tend to be good collaborators and um and that is the case with reg and claire and james and the whole city theater staff it's actually it's a phenomenal group of people they're mm -hmm. very very talented totally dedicated um really informed and uh the the potential that we have is is substantial mm -hmm. so um you know i i knew some some of the people that are at city theater were there when i was here uh, Tony Ferrari, Patty Kelly, Paul Ford, um, and other people, Jan Ripper, who does bookkeeping, for example. You know, so there, there was this period of reconnecting and also building new relationships. That really happened pretty quickly. And then it's really just like, how can I help and what can we do together? And making sure that I took the time to understand what was happening and how people were doing things. And it's... Um, to say it's really impressive so it's been a joy to be back with that staff in that building mm -hmm. and uh you know we have we have things we need to do and we want to do together and we're we're going through a process of, of re-engaging the board and kind of setting the vision for for the future and this season is not over yet i like to point out the roommates is going on right now through the 27th does that sound right I might yes. be fact-checked on that. <laughs> I got a lot of numbers in my brain at any given time. But um, the 24th, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Of course, Mike Sorg Sorgatron Media keeps me honest, usually. Um, and then I believe there's two shows off this season, The Burdens, and what is the last one? We Are Among Us. We Are Among Us. Stephen Belbert play. Yeah, so you still have time to catch some of this season's plays. Um, but now let's talk, we, cause y'all just announced y'all see, that's a Houston thing. We can say, we can say that <laughs> to each well other. Oh, thanks. Um, I do find myself still using y'all 
even I, it just it just works in so many ways. It's a word that I I banned from my vocabulary <laughs> when I was here before, uh, and then when I moved to Kentucky, it suddenly was in use again, and I had to learn to use it again. Like I it was not from there or something. And uh, so it's still hanging out in my vocabulary, too. Well, and I'm actually glad you brought up Louisville again, because this is like completely unrelated to theater. What was the food scene like in Louisville? Because I hear it is just amazing. And I honestly might yeah. plan a trip to go just to go eat. Uh, yeah. And uh, live music, too. Louisville okay. has a great live music scene. Um, and, you know, there are a lot of similarities from Louisville to Pittsburgh. There are They're both river towns. Mm-hmm. Um, they are... Um, about you know sort of a similar age in their kind of pre-industrial post-industrial um lifespans um and the the care you know i would say other things about pittsburgh and louisville that pittsburgh is an easternly oriented city on the edge of the midwest maybe in maybe a midwestern city at its core with eastern aspirations i don't know i think that's fair <laughs> and um and louisville is a southern city with a midwestern foundation so it's right there on the cusp of something and i think that makes both cities interesting their mm-hmm. personalities are formed the city's personalities are formed by that mm-hmm. um so I don't know. What was your question? The I food. Think. I just wanted to know about the, yeah, food. the food. I know the is... mailman's like knocking the door behind us. It was distracting us. The door's locked, buddy, for a reason. I'm just kidding. Uh, the, yeah, the food scene there is excellent. And no. quality of life is really good. And Louisville is a bubble. You know, it's a it's a blue dot in a red state. Yeah. You know, very interesting. Yeah, my, my in-laws live in Lexington. So did you ever get to Bardstown when you were in Louisville? I, did, yeah. I love Bard- Bardstown. is probably... Now we could go off on a bourbon tangent, so I'll try to rein myself in here. But <laughs> Bardstown is one of my... I'm actually going to Bardstown over Easter. Or no, in June. So that's one of my favorite places on yeah. earth. Well, you're not far from Louisville. You can go do your that's, taste test. I think there. I will. I think yeah. I'm going to go catch some music and eat. Um, so, okay. So let's not lose focus because bourbon distracts me. But um, <laughs> the 45th season just got announced. And there are some really, really interesting shows that you guys have coming up. Yeah. Just out of the gate, the Cambodian rocks. and it's, I mean, I know there's a lot of music involved. So maybe yeah. you know, talk, to, talk about that a little bit. I am very, very excited about introducing these plays to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. audiences mm-hmm. and uh, particularly Cambodian Rock Band, which mm-hmm. is by Lauren Yee and launches the 45th season. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a play that we commissioned when I was at South Coast Rep and we did the world premiere of. It's on its way. It's now at Oregon Shakespeare Festival and then it'll go someplace else and then eventually it's going to go to New York. Um, this production um, is um, is really thrilling. It, it's, a, it's a play based on the music of a band called Dengue Fever. Okay. And Dengue Fever plays this Cambodian psychedelic surf guitar music. There was actually a genre of music in the early 70s in Cambodian that was surf guitar psychedelia with a Cambodian lyrics. And this young woman who is of Cambodian heritage, grew up in the United States, goes back to help investigate some war crimes and discovers some secrets that her parents don't want her to know. And while she's there, she discovers this music. And so the story is a family story. It's a father-daughter story, but it's set in the context of both modern-day Cambodia and 1972 Cambodia Mm -hmm. with this surf guitar scene. It's a great story. It's a really theatrical, very interesting play. 
uh, with a band at the center of it. So it's a play with music. It's not like a traditional musical, but uh, it's a thrilling piece of theater. Well, I can't. I honestly can't wait to see what you guys do with it because I think anytime you guys, you guys, I think anytime your your theaters y'all. work, y'all. I think anytime y'all uh, yins are are working <laughs> with a play that incorporates music. I, I, you guys, just, I, I think that's probably, I wouldn't want to say one of your specialties, but I mean, I'm always blown away when you guys do have that component threaded through. So yeah, there's I'm, a lot I'm music. really excited to see there's what you guys do. There's a lot of music do. next season. So the second the second play is um, One Night in Miami by Kemp Powers mm-hmm. and features, uh, it's a fictionalized version of a meeting that actually happened between Malcolm X, Cassius Clay, before he was Muhammad Ali, uh, Sam Cooke and Jim Brown in a hotel in Miami. And uh, at the end of the play, I don't want to give too much away, but Sam Cooke sings a change is going to come because that play mm-hmm. is set at a moment of dynamic change in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that change that Sam Cooke is singing about. Uh, by the way, the, the documentary on Netflix about Sam Cooke is really excellent. Okay. I recommend it. There to you go. Mark Masterson viewing recommendations. We didn't <laughs> even know that was going to happen today. So special treat for our viewers. Uh, so that's, uh, that's One Night in Miami by Kemp Powers, mm-hmm. who's a playwright who I've, I've had uh, I've commissioned and done world premieres of his work. Um, then there's a play by a friend of mine named Teresa Rebeck, who is the most produced female playwright on Broadway, mm-hmm. uh, as well as you know an extremely prolific and talented playwright and novelist. Uh, her play is called Downstairs, uh, and I will be directing that. Um, and then Molly Smith Metzler's uh, Cry It Out, which is a play that I commissioned when I was in Louisville. And then um, they did the world premiere, and I had the privilege of directing a production of it last summer in Vermont. Um, Molly is a, a real star of the American theater and, mm-hmm. and uh, a playwright who City Theater did a few years ago, a play of hers called Element OP. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Isaac Gomez has a play uh, that we're doing the world premiere of called Perk Up, Perk Up. Yes. Uh, set in a <laughs> coffee house in, uh, I think it's Wisconsin. And it is, um, it's a play about uh, white fragility and um, uh, racism, uh, sort of unintended racism and the consequences of that. Um, then, uh, then we're closing the season next year with Jill Sabule's play, um, uh, hashtag F seventh grade. <laughs> and, uh, and it's a musical documentary of her life and her kind of coming out and coming into herself as an artist and as a human being uh, told through song and uh, a narrative story written by Liza Berkman. Well, you guys, that is a very powerful, wide ranging grouping there of shows that you have coming up. And are you excited to get back? I mean, do you direct a lot? Um, I know I you usually mentioned do one or two a year. I'll do two next season. Um, and uh, and try to you know leave enough room for other people to mm-hmm. uh, to join us and bring their influence into the theater. That's awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and guys, make sure the roommate is there through March twenty fourth. So make sure you get your tickets. Um, you know, as always, support local theater, support local music, support our local artists, because that's why Pittsburgh is so awesome. So continue to help it be awesome. Um, make sure you're following us on social media, Pittsburgh Current, on, across all channels. Um, and again, we'll be joining you next week. Hopefully, Charlie will come back from Florida if he doesn't just decide to say screw it and stay there because the weather here is miserable. Uh, but John Dick Winters will be on talking about Burning Bridges Comedy Festival, another thing that makes Pittsburgh great, support local comedy. 
So that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you as always for joining us. Mike, thank you for producing us. Mark, again, thank you for being here. And uh, everybody, have a great rest of your week. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.